New Vision is a church that places high value on Scripture. The Bible is made up of 66 books, and in this next portion, we're going to be going through a few of those books as a church family. We hope this tool encourages you and equips you to lead your life well. Thank you for joining us today. What is going on, friends? We are so thankful that you're continuing to walk with us as we navigate God's Word. Today, um, we are going to be in James chapter 1, and I'm going to go through verse number 18. And for those who I do not know, my name is Nick, and I'm the teaching pastor here at New Vision. How we're going to navigate is I'm going to read through the passage in its entirety, and then I'm going to go back and I'm going to pull out some truths that will help us better navigate. And I am reading out of the CSB today. James 1, beginning in verse number 1, says this, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes dispersed abroad, greetings. All right, let me pause. I know I said I was going to wait to pause, but a little background on this book that makes it even more rich is the fact that this is James, Jesus's half-brother. What's interesting about James is James was not a follower of his brother while his brother was alive. It wasn't until his brother was resurrected that James began to follow Jesus, and he really was an early leader of the church. And James, as we're going to see as we navigate the next few verses, is very straight to the point, hey, if you are going to proclaim Christ, here is how you walk this out. So he's going to give us some practical things. And so as we begin continue to navigate, those things are great to have the right perspective on this passage. So verse number two says this, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all of his ways. Let the brother of humble circumstances boast in his exaltation, but let the rich boast in his humiliation, because he will pass away like a flower of the field. For the sun rises, and together with the scorching wind dries up the grass. Its flowers falls off, and its beautiful appearance perishes. In the same way, the rich person will wither away while pursuing his activities. Blessed is the one who endures trials, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. No one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God, since God is not tempted by evil and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of the truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. All right. Let's go back to verse number two, where it says some uh, inconvenient information. Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience trials of many kind. Here's the deal. 
the Lord will leverage trials to bring about what he needs to bring about and to conform us to his image. So trials are going to happen and they're not fun. They're not convenient, but the Lord is able to leverage the trials of many kinds in order to produce in us what is necessary so that we can look and reflect and apprentice after him even better. Let's jump down to verse three and four. It produces endurance and also so that we will be lacking in nothing. See, what I love about the Lord is that he allows these trials, these negative things to form in us something that is necessary. But if you're anything like me, we want to short circuit or take a shortcut out of the trials. But here is the deal. We have to trust the process. The trials are necessary to build in us what will be necessary for the next leg of the journey. So let us not be a people that try to shortcut the trials. Let us trust in the midst of the trials knowing that God is going to be able to use it. In verse 5, Now if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly. See, wisdom um, is the ability to apply God-given statutes and what God has called us to do in our everyday lives. So we receive from the Father and we live it out in our lives. That is wisdom. Verses six through eight, as it talks about being double-minded, you can't have one foot one place and the other foot in another place because you are not planted firmly. And so what, it, what James is saying to the person who is walking and apprenticing after Jesus, he's saying this, listen, don't be double-minded. Trust God. Don't trust in yourself. Don't trust in human um, the human tools that we have, but trusting God in himself. Because if you trust in God and you keep your eyes fixed on him, you will build your foundation on steady ground and not on unstable ground. So don't be double-minded. Do not be tossed back and forth by the winds of life. It skips down. I just want to pull out verse number 12. It talks about the crown of life, this blessing. Sometimes um, for me, I want blessing to be monetary. I want it to be a new car, maybe something that's not a sports wagon, maybe a cool car like a Jeep. Those are the ways that I equate to blessing. But the blessing in the crown of life that God is referring to is more of himself so that we are better able to live like him in this world and in this place. We This blessing, this crown of life is us being able to be a conduit of heaven intersecting earth as God's spirit is filling us up and as we walk out, that is a blessing. The blessing that's referring to here is getting more of God, more of Jesus. That is the ultimate blessing. Even if we sometimes think it's a car, but those things fade away. But the blessing of God only grows and multiplies. So that's the blessing that we want. Verses 14 and 15, as it continues to talk about what trials mean and temptations and things like that, that the enemy desires to do. Here's something you need to understand about the enemy. He can only use against us the things that we give to him. So what I mean is, is he is not all knowing and all present. He is not God. He is not omnipresent like God. He's an enemy. And so when we reveal our weaknesses or when we step towards sin, he will leverage those things to tempt us and to call us to go astray. Yes, we have a bend towards sin and he will manipulate and use that to cause us to stumble anymore. So 
Another way to say that he, 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 he knows about us what we show him. And so for us, as we fix our eyes on the king and walk in his ways, we are better able to resist the enemy in all of his ploys and all of the ways he navigates. Because the enemy only has one play, right? He, he wants to pervert what God is doing. And so he will give a slight turn and a slight perversion of something that is good. And we go, oh, I want more like this because I can do it my way. I can still feel good about myself, but still kind of feel my own selfish and sinful desires. So that being said, know that he who is within you is far greater than he who is in the world. Um, verse 17, as it continues to talk about every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so as we walk with him and fix our eyes on him and we get to know him, we know that he is faithful in and out of every season. In verse 18, I love, and we'll close with this. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creation. As God's first fruits, we are of, a, we are of high value to him. And we know that because of the sacrifice and the surrendering of his son. And so there are times... Well, there will be data that will combat that and go against that. But the truth of the matter is God values and loves us. We are as his first fruit, as he has surrendered his son and put his spirit within us. It is revealing this fruit of him. And we are a valued treasure in the sight of God. So my pastor growing up would say, God, don't make no junk. And listen, he still doesn't make junk. You have worth and you have value, and he has put his very spirit within you. He has surrendered his son so that you could be more like him. And so you could look back and see the worth and the value, how he sees us, and we can walk in a different manner knowing that we are cherished and we are precious to God. Today, I pray that you will walk in that posture knowing that you are precious to our Heavenly Father. And as you know that, I pray that you will live as he lived and love as he loved and that you will continue to share this good news that he has given to us to steward and to be a conduit of his Holy Spirit. May we do that well. Know that you have a father who goes before you. You have one who is with you and you have one who has your back. And I pray that you will walk in a different manner today based on what you now know to be true. Love you. Hope you guys continue on this journey. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow as we hop back into God's Word.